Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the My Life in Rugby interview series as we talk to a man who has unfortunately become familiar with one of rugby's newest trends, which is clubs going under. Our next guest is a former Munster centre who now plies his trade in France, but like Owen Clark, Greg McGrath, Peter Sullivan and many others, was forced to look elsewhere following the Jersey Reds folding earlier on this season. So my guest for Episode 2 is current DAC centre and former Ireland underage international, Alex McHenry. So welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks for coming on. Caelan, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's always good to have different voices on, even if being accused of a few too many monster ones on on the list so far. But this is is a story that is good to get into as well. Before we get into the the deeper stuff, unfortunately, because that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Busy, a busy last two years. But how is how's France treating you? Yeah, it's probably been pretty much a roller coaster the last twenty four months, but uh finding my feet nicely over here now in Dax. Um just extremely grateful to fans to be back playing again and to have a job really and to be back in the rugby circle. But uh no, I've been welcomed really nicely over here. Um new new experience, new challenges and stuff, but uh yeah, delighted now at the moment. It's always good to hear. And it's uh the Pro D two we'll we'll probably get into it in a minute, but it is such a competitive league as well. There's no like I know it's second tier and all that, but it is mm. balls to wall from day one the whole way through. Like it's a proper, proper competition, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's meant to, it's a it's a gritty league. It's a it's an incredibly tough league. There's a and there's some incredible players playing in the league. Like some of the games we played in, just noticing some people on team sheets. So uh, definitely a bit of a jump up from the championship again, I think. But uh, oh, as I said, really, really find my feet here and enjoying it. And it's nice to be in a kind of stable, structured uh, competition as well. Yeah, absolutely. If there's a place to be at the moment, it's definitely France. We, you mentioned um, Provence before we came on and they're linked with like World Cup playing internationals and, and players like that. So it's if it might get a little bit more tested next year if you're up against the likes of George North, but there's no harm in that either. George North, I think they're saying maybe Courtney Laws as well. Like, so it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Like, yeah. yeah. And who knows, you might find a few Irish lads over there in the next in the next year or two if you're still there as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, we'll touch on your time at Jersey and, and Dax a bit more a little bit later, but you do come through the Munster ranks. And even just writing this down, it felt like a stupid question because you grew up in Munster in the 2000s and rugby yeah. and Munster was, was it. But you came from a sporting home for people who didn't know. So was rugby always the route you wanted to go down? Um, I suppose, yeah, coming from a sporting household, golf is probably the big one in my family. Like my father was an ex-professional and uh, that was that was everything we were surrounded by growing up. We we, we lived in Kildare. We, we lived on the K-Club in Kildare for, for a couple of years and everything was golf there. But to be honest, I never really got into the golf as much. I, I love now looking back at it. I love I, if I stuck to the golf because, you know, it's great crack and stuff. But the rugby, I suppose, from from day one was probably it for me. I I, I played a lot of Gaelic football. I threw my kind of hand at everything. Uh, but I remember like joining like Newbridge Rugby Club in in Kildare when I was about under fives, and then I suppose it just as it went on, it like it just 
kept the ball rolling. I, I don't ever remember sitting down and being like, this is what I want to do. But it's it just like, fortunately enough, that's the way it kind of it, it worked out. Like, um, yeah. And it's, it's been a good route to go down. No doubt about it. Like to, the opportunity to represent Munster in particular, you know, you, you spent quite a bit of time playing AIL with Cork Khan as, as we know. And yeah. I want to touch on that for a minute because, uh, you know, I had Jack Carthy on last season and he would have done the same. He would have played a lot of, elite schools level rugby as well as AIL club rugby coming through the ranks and like what was your time in the academy like at Munster but as well as that how important were the minutes of playing regular AIL for your development because you can't just learn everything in training either yeah absolutely oh, I suppose like we were extremely fortunate enough in, in, in our academy year that like we had some unbelievable players coming through like it was I think in my year alone it was like Gav Coombs Calvin Nash Fanine Witchley then you like Liam Coombs as well, Jack Stafford who went on to play for Harlequins. Like there was there was loads of us like who were actually got very fortunate in our group and we're a very tight tight bunch and we're still very tight to this day, which is great. They're probably my closest buddies really. Um and like you I know I left school in Christians and went into the academy and then you're loving it from, from the get go and but then I suppose you realise you're you're not probably getting the game time or you're not pushing on as much as you want. But then in your first and second and third year academy, you know the most important rugby was was the AL rugby and like my time at Corkhan was like it was fairy tale stuff. It was it was unbelievable. Like I I look back on that it was some of my fondest days playing. Like it was uh, we were obviously quite successful in my time there. I think it was just like whatever way I came out of school. There was an unbelievable team of proper AIL stalwarts playing, like some like Niall Keneally, Brian Hayes, like all all these kind of older lads. Like but uh, they take you underneath your wing. Which I don't think was always the best thing at times, but uh, we we had some some craft playing like and as you said, you at that age you're playing with like such a free kind of mind to the to the game and your free spirit and you're literally just going out there and trying things and you're not like thinking of any like repercussions or anything and it's unbelievable and like the the more the more you play, I, I I'm a massive believer like you're you're only going to get better the more more game time you play. Um, I think I think one year my second year academy, I think I played something like. 18 AL games and then I had like eight Monster A games so there was a load of rugby played that year and I and I think I was actually capped maybe a couple of months after that because I think you're just building form you're building form and again you're not really thinking about it like you're just you're just enjoying the rugby as much as you can but I, I'd be extremely grateful to Cork Han. Uh they, they really kind of taught me my rugby and showed me roots and a proper introduction to men's rugby as well like so yeah I've massive fun time for it and I'd be a massive believer in anyone in the academy like that they're out there playing a uh, week in week out if they're not involved in the in the senior teams because like it's a tough league but it's uh you're going to learn as much as you can there really absolutely and like it popped up during the world cup but you know at the same weekend Ben Healy was playing for Scotland Jack Crowley who you'd have played alongside of Corkhan briefly like he was playing for Corkhan in the IL two or three years ago against each other they're at the World Cup a few years later and like for all the talk of the school system and the school system has been really important to Irish rugby there's always a place for the club game as well because of the development and as you said minutes are so important and even to use the two lads example minutes at 10 are worth double what they are in some positions like absolutely and I think I think there's been a small bit of revival in that in the last year or two that I've seen like just looking from the outside because like there's times there when you're when you're in the academy or you're doing different things and or even underage rugby with Ireland and stuff, they kinda of stopped you from playing IL. 
I don't I don't know if I fully agree with that because like like as you said there, like if you're an out half, like the experience you're getting of controlling a, a men's team around the place on the on the weekend or into that, it does it just adds some absolute value. I know I know there's obviously the injury side to it and stuff, but you gotta run those risks in the sport really like um but yeah, I think it's I think it's invaluable and it's great to see the L L thriving again now this year and stuff. Like it's obviously been very competitive the last couple of seasons. Uh it looks like it's kind of changing tides of who the dominant teams are as well. Like so um yeah, it's it's very exciting to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Before we move off the AIL, I have to ask because it's you mentioned at the start, it's it's that kind of fun to element to it yeah. as well. And the away trips, do any of them stand out? Because I know the club scene podcast, which is Ireland's AIL podcast, talk about the away days a lot. So coming from Cork, you could have to go to Banahinch or Dublin or wherever. Yeah. What what away days stand out off the top of your head? Uh, oh, geez, we had some crack over the I think one like one that's particularly different to that, like just having the crack. We went we went to Banahinch one day, and there was a lot of us released from Munster at the time. I think Darren Sweetman played, Brian Scott played, Liam O'Connor. Myself, uh, it was loads of us, but it was absolutely Baltic. Like, I've never been so cold in my life. And we're on the pitch, and there's about three inches of surface water on the pitch before, and we're like, there's absolutely no way this game is going ahead. But anyway, it goes ahead, and we come off at halftime, and everyone's to the bone, like, freezing. And Kenny Murphy's coming around with, like, yeah, he's our manager and can at the time, and with his hot boiling water and hot ribbon, it's try warming the lads up, and it was just ridiculous but um yeah i suppose the dublin trips then were always the ones you kind of hope you'd get on the, get on the bus for especially <laughs> as a young fella because whatever bit the rugby and whatever like the the experience of that it was the bus journey home um and i remember like winning ales and being in the middle of uh like outside seriousness there in dublin whatever it is but we stopped in like an off license and <laughs> like five o'clock in the evening and one of the lads opening a bottle of champagne and spraying it all over the street and all of us running around the place like stuff that's absolutely mental but looking back and it they're, they're the things you remember uh, as much as about how good the rugby was that those kind of bus journeys and uh, yeah some of the stories probably can't be told but they're uh, they're some crack like they're yeah unbelievable I could have thrown in a podcast disclaimer not to say Anthem too over the line. <laughs> yeah. I think champagne on the street is, is probably just the limit of, of how far we yeah. can go it's like yeah I, I could talk about AIL and Munster and all that for ages, but like a lot of people would kind of be familiar with that story. But what they wouldn't be familiar yeah. with is you went on loan during your spell yeah. at Munster. And like, that's so rare. And I know injury jokers Absolutely, are, yeah. listen, Munster are crying out for about seven injury jokers at the moment. You don't need yeah. to be told about that. I'm sure you know, but it's not something we're too familiar with. So would you mind just taking us through that process of everything? Because it it, it really is a, an alien form to, to many fans. We don't yeah. know what it's like. Yeah, I suppose, like, obviously, hopefully not nowhere near the end of my career at the moment, but looking back on my time in Munster and stuff, that I probably have quite an adverse kind of time there to probably many other people, Um, which I'm, to be honest, looking back on it, I'm extremely fortunate for. Um, So that, that season, I, I wasn't getting a whole lot of game time with Munster and it was frustrating me quite a lot. And um, I'd spoken with Ian Costello, who was the head of the academy at the time, and He'd obviously just finished this stint in Wasps and stuff and probably expressed my frustrations to him a small bit. And he was like, look, I think there might be an opportunity here for you to get over to Wasps. He's like, Fekatoa is, is after going getting injured. And I was like, jeez, that'd be unbelievable. But like, you know, at the time, I probably wasn't playing a whole lot of rugby and all that. And I was like, my head was a bit all over the place. And then 
literally happened like I told on like of Monday and the following Monday I was over in Coventry training with wasps like so it was absolutely crazy but to be honest for me it was it, it just gave a revival to my to my whole confidence and to my career almost like that I'd gone in from away from the monster environment that I'd grown up and I'd loved and like obviously growing up in Munster it's as we touched on earlier it's it's all you want to do is represent Munster and and like pull on the red jersey and, and I'm incredibly proud for that but this probably gave me a new lease of life a small bit and you come into an environment and you're probably not seen as that young academy fella or development player or whatever and you're kind of going in with a bit of obviously you have a bit of prestige about you because you're coming from such a big club but it was also like the shackles were kind of off a small bit and there was no kind of rain and what could happen so I went like straight in I think my first game I played against Saracens and their full stack with like eight lines something it was absolutely ridiculous and I was just there in the middle of the field tiny little fella I'd say like um, but like kind of played with this kind of confidence that day that look what don't really matter is here do you know what I mean like it's like it's a new it's a new lease of life and I absolutely loved it it, I, it was it was an unbelievable thrill going over there and I, I was very fortunate to, to play for Wasps and obviously Similar to what happened with us, it, it it's very uh, sad what happened to such a big club like that. But even with that, like those those four months over there, like the friends that I made from it and the lads that were in that team together, they're an incredible bunch. Um, and the coaches alike, they're all they're very good, very welcoming. And it and it's a pity like that. It was such an anomaly that it like I probably one of very few players to ever go out alone. I think I remember John Ryan saying to me when he was young, he went to London Irish for a month or something like. But it's very, it's very rare, and I think it's definitely something that could be encouraged because, at that time, I was probably in a bit of a rush and down on like just my rugby ability and my confidence and everything. And then this gave me a whole new lease of life. And you, you kind of go to a new club and you kind of prove your worth and you show what you're about. And it, and more so, whatever about for everyone else, but for yourself, like it just kind of gives you this whole new boost. So it's definitely something I'd encourage if if come the opportunities. I know. Say months after you know they they probably run a bit low numbers and stuff, but like for other clubs and different provinces and other young fellas, whether if it's a Premiership club or even if it's a Championship club, like absolutely, like as I said again, it's game time is what you need. But what that did for myself and my confidence and 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 my my game and your different perspectives on the game, which was a big one. Like like you probably I grew up once there with a like one way of playing rugby and what I knew was right, and you go over to England with a whole group of lads who play completely differently and it would just kind of change your mindset a small bit so yeah it was an uh, unbelievable time yeah and it's it's funny you mentioned like how you'd encourage it and I do agree I do think it's something that should be looked at but so often in the Irish bubble we mentioned all loan and from one province to another but maybe the best thing about it for you and I'm, I'm not putting words in your mouth is probably you got out of the Irish environment as well out of AIL you're with an entirely new bunch of people and like sometimes if you're you know, early twenties or whatever. Sometimes that's just the only thing you need is to just refresh for even just two months, four months, whatever it is. Yeah. And as you say, kick on and play with a, a renewed lease of life, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, like there's probably players who've been in that similar boat that I was in when you're you're probably down on your spirits in the game and you're not getting picked and stuff and it happens. It's the nature of the sport. Like, but they probably go the other way then they might even stop playing or they might don't be let go and they fall out of the system completely. Whereas you kind of go, you kind of rejuvenate yourself and you kind of back your own ability and you know, I know what you're worth. But uh, yeah, I've, I've unbelievably fond memories of looking back on my time in Wasps. That's good. 
Listen, we we touched upon it as well. They unfortunately went under a legendary club. Like you think back of yeah. their Heineken Cup wins, and it, it was it was very hard to watch the more than the more than Muster and under Irish and and Jersey who were getting on to. When you were there, was there ever a hint of the the struggles that could be on the horizon? Not literally nothing, like nothing at all. Like I I was probably about six months too early, I think, for that. But talking to the lads there, like. They had absolutely no idea what was happening. But when I arrived, they just moved into this brand new state-of-the-art facilities out in Henley and Arden. Like an unbelievable like setup. AstroTurf, normal pitch, sauna, uh, ice baths, unbelievable facilities. And everything was looking great. Like every, I, didn't, I didn't hear one whisper of any sort of... Um, and you wouldn't, like at the time, you'd never think a club like Wasps, as you said, like so prestigious in European rugby and stuff that like they could ever fall. But... Like, unfortunately, is the nature of, of the sport, and then and the circumstance of the sport at the moment. That's the way it went, and uh, yeah, it's incredibly disappointing. Like, yeah, absolutely. And we hope that they do get back in some guys absolutely. eventually. Yeah. But it is it is sad to see. We'll, we'll come back to Jersey in a minute because obviously, yeah, it's a similar story. But on your time at Monster, I just a few people that you've mentioned. Ian Costello is one that you've mentioned, and he for me. Looking from the outside in, he seems to have done an awful lot right. And yes, incredible talent has come through in the last few years, no doubt about that. But yeah. He seems to have been a really important sign. What was he like to to work with in the in the academy? Yeah, he was good. So I, I had just moved on from the academy when he kind of came in back from Nottingham as head of the academy. He was at Nottingham, then he was at Wasps, and then he came back in as head of the academy. But he was kind of like a transition coach, so which I felt was really good. He obviously had this wealth of knowledge and uh, about different systems and, and and probably that guiding of players from an academy into a professional role and really kicking on. Uh, and he and he goes into incredible depth of knowledge around the game and the defensive side of the game and stuff as well. But even just to like chat to you about the whole Wasp thing, I know when I was going over there, he'd like put loads of lads in touch straight away and was like, look, keep an eye out and stuff. So yeah, extremely grateful it, it worked out in that way. Uh and he's obviously gone in with a bigger role now in Munster. Like, so, yeah, wish him all the best. Absolutely. And I know there's a lot of talk about him doing a good job. And the, the personal element, especially in the academy and that as well, and the job that he does, personal element's obviously very important, as you mentioned there. Yeah. Because, like, there's no point sending lads out and loan and not helping them either because they're at, they'll yeah. grow to despise yeah. you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so, I suppose it probably would reflect on him as well. Like, so I think yeah. it was nice that he probably had a bit of confidence in me to go over and kind of throw my best foot forward and kind of represent Munster as well. Absolutely. And you mentioned the academy there and like we could touch on playing and I'll get to coaches in a minute, but like you mentioned um, yourself when you came through the academy, Liam Coombs, who's been looked at as a potential kind of power 13 option, you know, in, in yeah. the later years, it's Shane Daly played a bit at centre. Um, Calvin Nash played a bit at centre. You'd like yeah. to Dan Gogg and Sammy Arnold. Chris Farrell, who was an Ireland international at the time when you were there, at at the very least, it must have been very, it must have been great for your development to be just training with these lads because there was incredible talent at centre yeah, at the time. It was ridiculous, and I suppose then the Allende as well after that as well. Like so, yeah, I I I I, I didn't realise that as much until I left, and I and I just like. I remember like leaving and it's like having this like it's almost like you just like absorbed all this knowledge in your head subconsciously and even like with Earlsey and stuff like he obviously had a lot of the defence coach but like between like Chris, Dan, like uh, Dukes, all those lads like even, I think just like the standard of knowledge and like 
the absolute talent that was there at the time was was ridiculous. It probably went <laughs> against me because it didn't probably hindered me from getting a bit of game time. But look, I I think yeah, uh, the the how much I learned off those lads um was incredible. Like and even like Dan and Sammy are over here now in France. I've actually caught up with them over here. It's funny like we we had, we had dinner not so long ago and we were probably three lads who would have fucked the head off each other two years ago, but <laughs> they're all sitting there and having dinner together now, like which is nice. Um. But yeah, like thing, things worked out like for a reason, do you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, but as I said, it was only when I moved club that I realized like, whole, like holy shit, I had so much uh, opportunities and I had so much knowledge to learn from those guys and, and, and I just soaked it all up, which was great. And that's exactly what any coach wants to hear. So if you want me to send that on to the coaches, I will, <laughs> you know, you, you had Chris Farrell and David Dillende, you learned from them and they love that. Like, you know. Yeah. You um, learned from as much, but you also wanted to kill them as well. Like they're also, <laughs> they're also taking your jersey and they're taking yeah. your, your spot. And that, that was probably the, the difficult side to it as well, you know, but as nice as it is to say you learn from the loads and all that, you also wanted to be in their position. So there's that kind of competitor side to it as well. Absolutely. Well, if you didn't have that, you probably wouldn't be yeah. so gone. So there's, yeah, there's two yeah, sides yeah. of it. Before we move on to Jersey, I just want to talk about coaches because I had I yet to interview Jean Plain, but he is coming on. He will have put that on before yeah. this is posted. Um, and he'd have worked with Van Gran and Graham Rountree and and the likes. What were those lads like as coaches? Because obviously they're highly thought of, and there's no doubt like no one gets the monster job without being a good coach. Um, but from a player coming through the system, what what were those lads, the likes of Van Gran, Roundtree, you know, Felix Jones, for instance, Stephen Larkin, what yeah. were they like? I suppose, yeah, Felix Jones, like, he was probably, like, when you're coming through, like, like oh my God, he was, he was an unbelievable coach, like, he, he was absolutely terrifying, he, like, he'd he, he petrify you, but in, in the best way possible, like, I remember he used to do, like, passing waves in, in, in UL and the AstroTurf and, you have like a line of six lads and you're passing on the line in the lashing right now. And if any pass was slightly off Jones, he'd be screaming at you. But but it was so, like, that was exactly what you needed at the time. And, like, the principles how I view the game now, a lot of them are based off how Jones would have would, would coached us. was like around work rate, around, like, just genuinely caring for the player around you and, like, wanting to do well for the player around you. Uh, and like not taking any shortcuts and that. That's all instilled from Jones. I think, like, you can obviously see how he's pushed on with South Africa now and, I know he's gone into the English role now and like he, he, him looking back on it was like he was the exact coach I needed at the time because yes, you might have the talent but talent means nothing if you're not going to work like, do you know what I mean? So like he instilled that massively. Um, and then with Johan and Steve Larkin, like Steve Larkin obviously massive pedigree, like it, it, his attention to detail was was, was absolutely crazy um, in, in a good way. Like, so like to the absolute... Uh, infinite detail you probably knew exactly what you needed to do and uh, and how you played underneath him so it was obviously cool having his understanding obviously being such a, a prestigious Australian player like and then Johan um, yeah Johan was, was was good as well it, it was it was probably difficult because uh, for me personally he probably didn't play me as much as I would have liked to play it underneath him and stuff yeah. but, uh, but, he, but he gave me my opportunity he gave me my first cap and stuff so I'll always be thankful for that Um and like obviously he's a he's a massive person on like family and uh, and relationships and stuff like so he was he was cool from that side, but I uh, probably would like to play them no, played a bit more underneath him if I'm if I'm yeah. brutally honest. Yeah, sorry, yeah, let you go, person. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that that's about it really. Like, and then obviously when we came in, it was my last kind of two years there, and 
he did a lot more dealing with the with the with the forwards and stuff. But uh, it was a very funny fella, and like he he only took the meetings. I always look forward to them because he had everyone lined up and stuff. Um, and like yeah, his stuff on the right there and stuff. But I probably didn't have as much dealings coaching with him coaching wise. Then as I say, he has now with the Blads because he's obviously in the head role now. Yeah, and that's where I was going to move on to actually, coincidentally, because the way you talk about Johan and Felix, who would agree, and what's always said about Wig is a culture element. And Munster is a club where that family and community is, it's the cornerstone. It's the, like, it, you can't move away from it. That is what Munster is. Like, those lads kind of, they they definitely embedded it. But as as a team, how important is that as well? Because obviously it's important to say it to the fans and whatnot, but yeah. as a team... That culture must be. What's that like in in the modern dressing room? I suppose. Yeah, it's 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 massive. Like, and like, I still think that like, like as I said, I touched on earlier. Like, growing up there, like, all you want to do is is play for Munster, and you want Munster to win. Like, and still to this day, like, I I I'd be like nervous watching the lads play and stuff. Like, because you're just like, even when they won it during the summer, it was unbelievable and stuff. Like the joy you get from that. The culture was was huge, and, it, and it's massive player driven. Like it, that that comes from lads within, and it comes from lads who are grown, who are homegrown there, who've come in there and who've bought into the monster monster culture. And I think that that that's just, that's as massive, and I think that's so important as well. Because if, if if you care for the person next to you, you're going to work that half second quicker. You're going to get off the floor that bit faster, or whatever it is. Like, and like that that comes from like the belief and the want of playing for monster and stuff, and. I suppose like you see some of the results they pull out over the years, like it's always like the seventy eight minutes, seventy nine minutes that they, they go out and pull this ridiculous result off. But I think that's all co- coming from the culture that's built there and and, and the graph for Munster and just like wanting to do for your, your your buddy around you and stuff like so yeah, like even as I said, I'm 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 probably still a massive Munster fan. Like I, I don't think I'll ever shake that is growing up it's all you know and and uh, yeah, just extremely honoured to have played for them, like and stuff. But yeah, they they they've got a really good culture there, and and it was great to see them go off and, and win the URC last year because I know countless years I stand in the meeting room and they were like, right, this year now we'll have a trophy at the end of the room, and there hadn't been like stuff for them to do last year. It was incredible, like yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to do it for it was mentioned ad nauseum last year, but to do it for the likes of Peter Manny, Conor Murray, Keith Earls, Stephen Archer, yeah. Andrew Conway since retired, obviously huge and. Listen, we could talk for probably an hour, two hours about the importance of, yeah. of RLZ and O'Mahony and the likes. Um, maybe we will another day, but <laughs> that, that's so important. And it is interesting to hear because it is like rugby is, is such a systematic game. You do have to remember to to put your body on the line for 80 minutes does take a huge amount of heart as well, doesn't it? Like, Yeah, absolutely. Like, but that's why you play the game like you know if you were going to do a half hour version of like why just go play some other sport or do something else like because not really willing to give it all and stuff but so that's a big thing like that Munster kind of has different from other clubs I suppose like that that's I don't know how you put it like but that want to play like and that like willingness to absolutely give you 100% that you might probably not get as much as other players in different clubs like so yeah I think that Munster are quite unique in that sense and to their credit, I'm sure there's, you know, when you try in Jersey, you left Munster 2022, you went to Jersey Reds, and I'm sure as championship winners, they would have been yeah. absolutely, you know, putting their bodies on the line as well. Um, starting to feel like, yeah. starting to feel like a Netflix documentary here, the, the line yeah. was going down, but <laughs> I, I want to talk about Jersey and I want to talk about the highs first because you did win a championship yeah. last season, which is incredible. Like it's still a very high standard. 
your but what what how did you find your spell at the club? The league obviously being the championship, the challenge. Yeah. Like you've been in England before. I know Jersey's a little bit different, but you've been in England before. Yeah. What what was it like? Uh oh, it was unbelievable. Like honestly, like I look back on Jersey with such like good memories and like like this we'd such we were so lucky, like we'd such a niche group that like everyone was just so tight, like and between the coaching staff, we had quite a young coaching staff as well. But like we all just like cared about one another in a sense, like and like so like you're obviously going up against the like the Ealing and stuff and we always had this chip in our shoulder that like the boys in Ealing were getting paid more way more they're like you know there are all these massive premiership players and all this living in London and stuff and we're only little small fellas out in Jersey and stuff and then we go out and beat them in the championship I like I can't express you when we beat them that day in St. Peter and St. Peter um in the second last game of the league last year like it was just like it was like biblical stuff like it was it was unbelievable and it, it like Jersey for me like just really kicked my whole career back in, in into line I, I know like you look at my career it's probably not this all this merits and all this unbelievable stuff but for me like leaving Munster at the time I'm I probably wasn't in the best headspace that or in my game and I wasn't really sure really sure where my career was going and then to go to Jersey and to play week in, week out, it, it literally just gave me the love of the sport again and I literally was like, This is exactly what I want to do, this is why I'm doing it and I'm very ambitious to kick on now massively with my career. But we were so fortunate that for the group that we had that it was just a load of lads who were really good mates who just really cared for one another, wanted to wanted to do it like um yeah, it was it was incredible. That's that love for the game that you really found that passion. It, it's great to hear as well because it is. I'm sure it's not easy leaving Munster and yeah. going to a new club and whatnot. But to go to a successful club where you said there's great buy-in, you know, great support, and like to win a league title your first year out of yeah. <laughs> out of the place, it, that's yeah. that's something too. Like, what is obviously the championship's competitive, and a lot of people t- t- yeah. listening would know of the likes of Bedford, Nottingham, Ealing. You mentioned, yeah. Um, Jersey would have been another club. What is the competitive level like? Not a, not necessarily in comparison, but as an yeah. overall league. It, it it's a good it's a, it's a difficult league. Like it, it it's definitely a difficult league. What how I compare the championship to other leagues is that like championship is probably that small but younger in terms of like you have you have a couple of old boys who are probably maybe finishing out their career, but you have a, a lot of really really talented twenty two, twenty three, twenty four year old players who are trying to like like break their way say they're either on loan from premiership clubs or they're trying to get back into premiership clubs so you have these ridiculous players in the league and then you have the proper champ stalwarts who've been grinding it out for like 15 years they were just tough hard English fellas like do you know what I mean um, it, 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 def, it's def, it was definitely competitive like we, we, we used to go away to some away games like you go to Nottingham away you go to Coventry away in particular like those are massive games and like the that probably doesn't get the recognition in Ireland that if people don't know of it. I know there's a lot of the Irish boys now, like Sean French, absolutely ripping it up over Medford, and, and a few other players like Brian O'Connor is there as well. But like the the league is is very competitive, and it and it really like for me like it just it, it kind of kicks out and things again as I said. But it kind of it's like a platform to kind of push on to where you want to go. Um, and I really and really got a whole lot out of that. I, I suppose it's. I feel like in rugby a lot of the time when teams put out maybe a weakened team or give young lads a chance, there's so much moaning about it. But when you have a yeah. league like that as well, like it's all part of the ecosystem and all what makes the game tick. And as you said, yeah. so many players, I think something like 10 or 15 of the English World Cup squad played championship at some stage of their career or something yeah. like that. And like that's 
that shows how important it is. No more than AIL, no more than you know the Pro Twelve used to be ridiculed for for weakened teams. Yeah, it's so important though as well. And like you can yeah. say that now in the the middle stages of your career, that going there find that rejuvenation probably mixed with younger and older lads, different coaches. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a few English lads who've probably kicked on since your time at Jersey and into the Premiership Loans. and so forth. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's what I'm like, even going back to that loan stuff earlier. Like, I feel if like if Jersey came, if that happened to me like two or three years pre- like previous, like, like I think like you, your career could be in a complete, completely different state because you, you're just you get this confidence again. And like, I don't see there's any harm in some academy player going over to England for six months and playing the Championship if he's not getting game time when they're covered for their time in, in whatever province he's in. Like, go over there, like, learn the craft, like, realise what it's like to actually try to go out in gritty games and try actually get better week in, week out and scrape wins away in miserable cold, different parts in England, like, do you know what I mean? And it, it's difficult, but, it like, that's how you learn, like, that's how you, like, get the knowledge from the sport, like, and, like, as I said, like, it, that you'll get some confidence in your own game if you're playing again and again, rather than, like, going in just doing your gym sessions and doing your conditioning like absolutely and I, I don't want to move everything bleak which is why I tried to extend no, this, the happy part but unfortunately the club had digital liquidation back in the early parts of the yeah. season as I said they were reigning championship winners and like that's I think that's the toughest part like they went from being it's like 10 years ago if they won the championship they're in the premiership now it's yeah. not the case and then they end up going under like that's so rough but can you just talk through the final weeks months as a player because I'm sure it wasn't easy as a playing group but also just the fact that the threat of losing your job was was imminent yeah it, oh, it's, it's crazy like it's still still crazy I'd say like you're still almost mourning the fact of the whole thing like and but, like it, it was absolutely madness so like we there was never rumors, there was never whispers. There was there's few little whispers going around the face that their club might be in a bit of turmoil, but you didn't know much of it. And then the previous month was going bust or pay got delays and obviously in the championship you're not getting paid a whole lot of money. So like a lot of us are going month to month kind of checks and lads had mortgages and they had loans and they had kids and stuff. So you kinda of wake up in the morning and you've no money in your account and you're like, Whoa, what's going on here? Like and then then the the club said put it down to an admin issue. They're like, look, it's just an admin issue, lads. You'll be paid later on the day. That came in, it was fine, everything settled. And then the next month, so we obviously played Bath in the rec that month, one over there, which was huge for the club. Like that was on like TV and stuff for us. Played Exeter. And then after Exeter, we were due to fly away to Cornwall. And on the Thursday morning, we get a, we were supposed to meet in the airport at eight. And we got a text at like half five in the morning. And I was living with Owen Clark and Peter Sullivan and Tom Smith, an English trial at the time. And I was playing and they weren't. And I like woke up, saw my phone at seven o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh shit, we have a meeting there in half an hour. Like, so I went in, like knocked on the lads' doors and stuff. I was like, lads, you need to get up. Like, there's a meeting now. And like, they had thought like someone had died and stuff. And you just had this sense of like eeriness, like even like, oh, even looking at the text and like arrived into the building and like what's going on here and there was a bit of like fake chit chat going on and stuff we were waiting for the the chairman to come in to talk to us and he comes in then with his two lawyers and they just literally said look lads you're you're we're going into liquidation the club has ceased trading and you're essentially unemployed like so it all happened in the space of nothing like do you know what I mean and like I, your bag's packed to go to play a match like and you're just going back home and you're just like what the fuck is going on here like do you know you're just like this is absolutely crazy and 
you're then your phone's blowing up people being like is this true is this true and like then I'm obviously on to my agent being like help me out like I need to like get out of here I need to find the club straight away and stuff um yeah it was it was absolutely ridiculous to be honest like and still still to now like it's probably only as time's gone on you get time to reflect on it you look back on it and you're like like how has that even happened to go from such a high in, in May to to October to be without a club the club to go on bus like so yeah it's shocking and you, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to but within the English system because obviously that's four clubs who went bust in, in the last yeah. within a 12 month period do you think players have a a sense of resentment of to what's going on because like it it can't be easy like for I'm sure there's some Jersey lads who are from the area or same with you know the London clubs that went under or whatever like is there a sense of feeling let down within the players or oh absolutely like 100% like there's there's absolutely like it's the fact that like there was like and it wasn't just the players it was the coaches and stuff like that meeting we had like it was the most hostile meeting ever and rightly so like I remember like Rob Weber our coach like calling out the chairman to his face, like, are you going to sit there and tell me last month when North Hay with Clay that this had nothing to do? He's like, you've given us no time to have any contingency plans. Like, he's like, there's yeah. absolutely nothing. And there's only one player on the team who was from Jersey. So everyone was like, I was like, <laughs> it was it was mad. Like, there was almost like a giddiness in the first two days because you're like, you're, you're running around the place. Like, I was trying to sell my car, trying to sell everything in the house. Like, we literally cleared out the whole house and stuff. And then, and then Monday, and then Sunday, I'm back in, in Ireland, and I'm, like, back in Cork in my family home and stuff, and you're just like, oh, my God. Like, you're like, I can't believe I'm back here and stuff. But, like, there's still plenty of uh, questions to be answered, and I know the chairman has never come out and spoke about it publicly and stuff, and the OR went on, and there was this big plea case and all that, like, but the, the damage had been done, like, do you know what I mean? And it's just like... But like I've obviously fortunate enough the position that I'm in now, and there's a few lads like that. But there's many lads who aren't like. There's a lot of lads who've retired. Like there's a lot of lads who stayed on the island and getting jobs and all sorts. But it for for the greater part, like it it's proper ended of like majority of the team's careers, like which and, is very sad. Like yeah, absolutely. And like it's great to see someone like Owen Clark come back to Munster do well. And yeah, you know Greg McGrath, he went to to Ulster at the start of the season and he's done well he hasn't played a huge amount of games but he's he's there he's, yeah. he's secure for the time being you obviously wound up at Dax but as you said it's it's not the same for everyone and like even if you went from Jersey to another championship club you're going back to living from paycheck to paycheck and it's yeah. probably the same concern doesn't leave then either that's it like you know like I said there's a few of us who've been quite fortunate and stuff like but like I'm delighted to see Clarkie back in Munster. Like he probably had a chip in his shoulder right his time there in his academy, and he's gone in and he's really nailed it now at the moment. Which I'm absolutely over the moon for him. Same for Greg. Like Greg's up in Ulster, and I know he played a few games at the start. But Peter Sullivan, like, oh, like my heart goes out for him so much. Like he's such a good fella, and he'd probably fall into that boat. This boat before when he's let go from Connacht, and he kind of did like twelve months without rugby, and then finally got the whole thing back. We'd like come to a championship winning team like everything looking up like so bright and then like that gone again like so there's definitely questions to be answered for and stuff Um, and uh, as I said it's very disappointing and I'd say the mental toll it can take on a lot of players as well as the other sides but like to know this you're, you're out of your job and rugby's probably all you know for a lot of us like and you know like well do I have to go and sit in front of a desk like do you know what I mean yeah that's that's <laughs> probably the the existential questions that that you yeah. ask yourself in some ways, like yeah, 
you found yourself in the southwest coast of France in Dax playing Prodi Do, which is the the I suppose what what you say? It's probably for the cultured people, uh, the cultured yeah. rugby fans. They'll say it's one of the best leagues out out there. Yes, south of France. Obviously, Jersey's a lovely place as well. Yeah, you did kind of land on your feet a small bit, and you're you're probably grateful to it. But how did that come about? Going to going to Dax was that through the agent or? Um. Yeah, like so, my agent was great. Like you, like you're straight away. You're putting out loads of feelings and stuff, and you're like trying to. And like immediately straight after Jersey, there was this a whole lot of interest, and you're like, oh, okay, this is good. Like you're because I was obviously very keen to get back to top level rugby, right, and like push on from the championship and stuff. And then it kind of goes cold, and you're like, whoa, what's going on here? But then you're you're reaching out to any personal connection you that you have, and like family personal connections or any kind of old rugby school coach, father's nephew or whatever. Like you're just you're trying to get on to anyone who can help you out in any sort of way. And, and fortunately enough, like that we had a I had a personal connection with a very big figure over here in France, and then. It, it, it worked out that way, and uh, my agent was very good at uh, helping orchestrate the whole thing as well. So, yeah, look, I've, I'm extremely grateful that I've I've landed myself over here, and this is like they say, like rugby country, like it, they love it. It's it's absolutely ridiculous down here. Like I know my first game played against Biarritz, and obviously Biarritz, massive thing from once back in 2006. Yeah. Like no, it's ridiculous. Since 2008, whatever one of the show one, but. Uh, we're going down to play Biritz and we're driving down on the bus from Dax and it's only about 40 minutes. And Bayonne and Biritz are neighbouring towns and there's massive rivalry between them when they used to play in the top 14 together. But still to this day, it's huge. And we're driving down and on the motorway, there's like a flyover, like you know, like a pedestrian flyover. Mm. And there's a lot of Bayonne fans hanging over the flyover with like Alley Dax written on oh. Bayonne flags <laughs> with flares. And the lashing rain. And I'm like... Right. This is crazy. Like, they're not even in the same league, but they obviously just wanted to, like, go against Biritz. But, like, oh, it's it's been an incredible experience. Uh, definitely challenging. It, it, like, the language side of it, like, the coaches, it's not a whole lot of English here, but I'm trying my best to get on with the French and, and I'm picking up more and more as I go. Uh, and the English speakers here have been great in that sense. Like, um, but I must say, as I said, I'm just extremely grateful to be back playing. Yeah. Absolutely, and maybe don't wind up in Bayonne with the Beeritz top or anything like that. I suppose probably <laughs> yeah. the, the main yeah. takeaway. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it's great club, great league again, and the the same can be said. We we kind of touched upon it, but like the Brody do, there there is cash there, and you know, it's not going to get into any course um, conversation about wages or anything. But there's money there. It's being backed. It's being well supported. Great attendances. It there's. From a from a player's point of view, again, like what is that like, and how does it compare to other places? Because it's, as you said, it's rugby country down there in particular, yeah. especially in the southwest of France. But like French rugby from head to toe just seems to be booming right now. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I think obviously they have the boat league, the top fourteen, and the, and the, and the probably the boat televised. Like so, like that's obviously massive for revenue, I'd imagine. But what they do well here, which which I think is. You need a minimum like salary to, before you can or budget before you can enter the league. So like I think you need a million a minimum like five million, four million maybe to enter into one of the leagues. So like then straight away, then you know like that's that covered. Like so, I presume like oh that needs to be proven beforehand. Whereas like obviously in England and stuff that that isn't the case, uh, and that's probably why you see teams going bust and stuff. Um, so it is nice to kind of have this small bit of security in that sense. Um. 
and then obviously like the the rugby is it's it's like a different game over here like like the the games we played so far like the weather has been pretty miserable and stuff but like the the, the attendance and the and the fans and the and the love for it over here is crazy and like the sport it's a it's a different it's a difficult tough league I think I came out of the first game with two black eyes and all this like but uh no it, it it's it's been great as you said it it's booming over here and it and it's really refreshing to see. Uh, and that even like a small team like Dax and stuff here, like they they love it and they, and it's great kind of walk around the place. There's a great buzz and stuff. And to kind of extend the um two rugby nerds talking rugby in in some ways, like I just looked up your fixtures. You play Provence, who are you know have a lot of money behind them, and they've been in the news because of it. Grenoble, obviously strong Irish connection. Biarritz again, again the monster connection. But your last game was a 7-0 win over Montauban. Now, <laughs> Munster fans squeal at the sight of the word Montauban because of what happened yeah. in 09. But that is probably Brody too at its absolute finest, isn't it? And what, the, the try was in the 78 minute and it was a mall pushover try. Like, but that's it. Like That's exactly what the it's about. Like, And I, I'd say the sport we're playing now, the rugby that we play now to, in two months' time, I'd say it would be like two different sports because I'd say once the ground firms up and you can actually run the ball and stuff and the old Jouet cliche like I think it's very much massive because I know it's pushed here from a coaching perspective but it's funny because like I actually didn't play against Montauban but Dan Goggin plays for Montauban now and it was could have potentially been myself and himself going off each other at 12 which would have been funny but it didn't work out that way unfortunately um, but yeah that that's exactly what it's like over here it's, it's gritty it's tough but it's uh, you do whatever way you can to get the win and they were massive points that we needed like so yeah we were tough with that before we before we finish on Dax, how is how is the season looking for you? What's the what's the aim from here on out in the back end of the season? Yeah, so Dax just got promoted from National One last season. So their whole thing this year is is, is to is to like stay in the Pro D two and uh, and 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 thrive here. Like we we we've done well this this half of the season. We're just halfway through the season now, so fifteen more games to go. But like between us and I think between like. 15th place like and between 10th I think between 10th and like 16 or something like that there's like two or three points like so it, it's very tricky like it changed very quickly and stuff so as I said we're going to put our best foot forward and and give it everything we have but uh, we were playing some we're playing some good rugby at the moment and we're getting we're getting some big results as well which is the most important thing uh, we turned over a few big teams like so yeah as we said we're going to keep probably thriving on that underdog kind of card and, and keep it going no no harm in that at all yeah that's exactly kind of chip yeah. on the shoulder um before we finish up to kind of bring things light enough again you're still young um would you be interested in return to Ireland if the opportunity arose or has the opportunity ever arisen for you um yeah look as I said earlier like you grow up and every every lad young lad has dreams of putting on a Munster shirt or putting on an Irish shirt and like that that'll never I don't think that will ever weaver in my own mind like you know you always have your own aspirations and stuff um, and like who knows what happens down the line I don't know um, but I, I'm very content just being back playing rugby at the moment and I'm I'm really happy and I, I still feel I have an awful lot to prove to myself and I have a lot to prove to my teammates and coaches here in Dax as well because I Build, build form, keep building form and stuff. But uh, yeah, look, if that opportunity rose in the rain, that's probably for another podcast, I'd say. But uh, we'll we'll see it. We'll see how things go. Well, there you have it. Now, if if yeah. if we see Alex McHenry in a Munster shirt, he's already booked himself to go back on. That's <laughs> that's what I take it from that. I think. That's all take that. No, but that is that's all we've time for today. But thanks very much, Alex, yourself for coming on. It's 
it's been brilliantly insightful because again, it's been a different conversation, not the typical rugby route. Um, and I hope that came across to people at home and listen. It's it's been really good to have you on. So thanks very much. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, and remember, this is just the beginning of an exciting series. The interviews will be dropping across the coming months with a host of great stories. We've got commentators, Irish internationals, provincial stalwarts, and then wall-to-wall fan-led Guinness Six Nations coverage, which starts next week. So thanks at home again to everyone for listening and for, for Alex to take the time of his day to come on. If you do like what you see or hear, please do subscribe and you'll find all the links for my channels below. But for now and until next time, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.